0: Praise God! This morning I want to welcome you to the second part of the sermon How to overcome emotional pain and the title of this second part is Finding Rest in Jesus' Yoke. We'll be reading from uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 from verses 25 to 30. Uh, Now if you remember uh, for those of you who were present in the first sermon we dealt with uh, Uh, dealing uh, with pain and hurts that we receive uh, from other people. And generally speaking, this can come from everywhere, from the place where we work, from uh, family relationships, and so forth. But in this second part, we will address more the hurts and pain that we receive within the body of Christ. And may the Lord add His blessing to His Word. Come to me, all who labor and are, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and low in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, going back, uh, going back to part one of uh, the series that I started last uh, Sunday, we saw through the life of this wonderful woman called Hannah, how pouring out our hearts to the Lord is the best way to begin to process our pain and our hurt and to be able to overcome it. So but once we put out our heart to the Lord, what is the and what are the next steps? What do we do after we pray? What do we do after we go before the Lord and we say, uh, acknowledging our pain and our hurts. Lord, what I'm doing now, what it will be the next steps? I believe that hurt, inevitably, will happen and happens to all of us. And sometimes, if we are more prone to accept the pain that comes from outside, people are strangers to us. But we are more prone to accept uh, people hurting us that are not related to us directly. We know there are strangers, people that pass in our way. But what about people that are closest to us? What about people that live the same faith that we live? What about people that we share the word of the Lord? What about people that are rooted in the same faith that we are? I believe that it's very important that we consider that those pains sometimes are very difficult to overcome. And if I look at, at the story of the church Sometimes it's something that comes regularly. Regularly through the Easter of the church. We see that within the body of Christ. Our nature, our flesh is coming out. Causing pain and hurts. And that's why I believe that Jesus is leaving us. Knowing our nature. A procedure. A process that we can manage those pain and hurts. In a way that will result For his glory and for our better living. So hurt can either have a positive or a negative effect upon our lives. It depends how we manage it. Depends how we process them. It can make us bitter or it can make us a better person. You know, when we look at the pain that we can experience from people that we are close, we can react in two different ways. We can choose the easier path that is revenge and retaliation and get even. And this may can bring some solace at the moment. But I can tell you that will not heal the pain that we have stored in our hearts. And then there is another way to process the pain. That is choosing uh, a much more difficult path. And it's the path of forgiveness. Yet, let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not an easy path. And today we are looking at some points that we can learn from the words of Jesus that we just read before. The first thing that we can note in this exhortation that Jesus is giving to us is the context of this uh, come to me. Jesus' invitation is to come and deal with the situation that we are managing in the way that he wants and not in the way that we want. The context is given to us while Jesus is pointing to his own father Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, my Father, that you hide these things to the wise and you reveal to these little children. Why Jesus is starting with these words? Because in our own wisdom, in our human perspective, we will never be able to accept the importance and the necessity of forgive. The little children are simple. They grasp. They have no malice. They are willing to learn. After specifying that, Jesus is asking us to share the rest that he enjoys. How he enjoys the rest? Because he has fellowship with his own father. And to do that, he uses a a metaphor of the yoke. Yoke was a a piece of heavy wood that was placed on the neck of two animals to pair them so they can pull in the same identical way. So through the yoke, both the animals had to go in the same pace. There was no chance that one could go faster than the other one because the yoke was obliged them to walk together. And Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to come to me and I will show you the way that you can overcome all your heavy burdens, all your troubles. Come to me, be yoked to me. And please understand that what this rest uh, Jesus is offering to us is not being out of life. Some people think that withdrawing from problems, they resolve everything. But I can tell you something, an experience can confirm us, and I believe that you also can confirm in your own experience, that when we retire from other people and we withdraw from other people, we'll bring with us the problems that we have. Is not just removing our suffering from the situation that will quench or heal the pain that we have. Jesus said, I want to show you that if you walk with me, if you come to me and learn from me, you can have a pleasant life. You can learn from me. You can overcome the way that I overcame. So coming to Jesus implies First of all, admitting our distress, hurts, and pain. You see, we cannot be yoked to Jesus when we continue to be yoked to our pain. We cannot wear the yoke of Jesus and taking on us the yoke of Jesus if we are yoked to our pain. We must admit, and we often make the mistake of thinking that God will automatically remove the pain and hurt that is in our hearts. Unfortunately, negative emotions don't go away no matter what and no matter how we suppress them. We can ignore them, but they simply are stored inside our deepest part of our souls. To the point that will produce bitterness. It's like a a wound that is covered on the top. And it seems very good outside. But inside there is pain. And when you touch it. The pain will come out right away. The Bible says very clear in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 and 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, it's not just the individual, but that condition will affect others around us. Let the offenses that we receive simmer and challenge in our hearts. Will destroy our well-being. Will destroy our spiritual life. Will destroy relationships. With other individuals. That the Lord has placed. In our lives. When we are part of the family of God. That is the church. God is giving us. Our brothers and sisters. And we are brothers and sisters. And we should do everything. To preserve that relationship. When we allow. Those are, Relationships not to be resolved when there is a contrast, a conflict. And you know when you see that person, you see under the perception of that truth or bitterness or that wrong that was done to you. God loves us immensely. He doesn't want us to continue to live with suppressed pain and unresolved conflicts. Jesus invites us to bring our pain, our weary hearts to him so he can give us rest to our soul, rest and peace to our emotional burdens. Let us not forget that Jesus is very familiar with pain. Jesus is a man of sorrow. Jesus is a man that experienced our pain so he can sympathize and empathize with us. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men. Rejected and despised, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Do you understand what Jesus went through? Despised, rejected, not taking consideration at all. And then the apostle Peter reminds us that because Jesus went through the pain. And he can understand our emotional pain, our sorrows, our hurts. He says something that we should do. In 1 Peter 5, 7 says... Casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Why do we have to cast on Him our anxieties? Because He cares. He cares for you. And you know, don't forget that when you are hurt, you are under the attack of Satan that will try to let you understand that God abandoned you. That you are not important. Remember what we say last Sunday about Hannah? She felt not loved. The fact that she was uh, not able to uh, give birth, it was not a problem. The problem was that she felt abandoned and cursed by God. So Satan will say to you, you see God doesn't care. But we have the unchanging word of God that is a strength for our lives. And he says that God cares for us. He cares about your pain. He cares about your broken relationship. He cares about your emotional well-being. So that's why He's inviting us to come to Him. And then the next step is the invitation He gives us to take His yoke on us. And the context of this passage is clearly related to emotional, a condition of emotional distress. Yet, Jesus' invitation is to take his yoke. He can offer rest to all who are labor and heavy laden. Jesus had emotions as we had. And often times we read the gospel overlooking the emotional aspect of the life of Jesus. Yet, the gospel's writers are pointing this aspect very, very strongly. Years ago, uh, this uh, theologian and professor, Walter Anson wrote an article in 1997. In this article, the emotions of Jesus and why we need to experience them, he pointed out that uh, that aspect very, very vividly. I have a quote that I took from that, and I want to read it to you. Uh, He mentioned these words, I am spellbound by the intensity of Jesus' emotions. Not a twinge of pity, but heartbroken compassion. Not a passing irritation, but a terrifying anger. Not a silent tear, but groans of anguish. Not a weak smile, but ecstatic celebration. Jesus' emotions are like a mountain river cascading with clear water. My emotions are more like a mad foam or feeble trickle. And then skipping a few sentences. We are not to be merrily spellbound by what we see in the emotional Jesus. We are to be unbound by his spirit so that his life becomes our life. His emotions are emotions. And to be transformed into his likeness. With every increasing glory. It's not wonderful the way that Hansen displays to us the emotional aspect of the life of Christ. So those emotions that Jesus lived are able to transform us. To bring healing to our hearts. You know when we look at Jesus. he was perfect even the way he handled his own pain. And emotional distress. How many times Jesus was oppressed, and mocked, rejected, but he was always able to stay calm in the relationship that he has with his father. There was no sin, no personal uh, or carrot flaw in him that caused him to be rejected. He didn't deserve that. He was not the one to deserve the punishment. Even the thief that was on Calvary dying on the cross with Jesus rebuked the other thief that was on the left. And say, we deserve that. We deserved all this punishment. But his men didn't deserve it. But Jesus went through this. And even at the end, the last words, or better, one of the last words says, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they are doing. You know, he suffered undeserved rejection. He experienced loneliness. He experienced suffering, grief. Jesus was rejected by his own peers in Nazareth. By his nation, the Jewish. By the Gentiles like the Romans that crucified him. And even the hour of the agony... He was uh, not understood by his own disciples. When he was begging them to pray at least one hour with him. And then he was betrayed by Peter, the faithful one. Remember the words of Peter? He was full of himself. And then all the other disciples disappeared, leaving him alone. But he endured the cross to bring us healing. And Isaiah 53, 5 says very clearly, but his wounds, we are healed. So do you think that he can understand now our pain and our sorrow? I believe yes. He can understand us. He can truly empathize with us. Jesus, therefore, as a credibility, as authority to give us rest when we are emotionally distressed, In pain and sorrow. You know when we compare our own emotional lives to his. We become aware of the need that we have to be transformed to his image. We become aware that alone we cannot overcome. We need him in our lives. We need to take the yoke on us. We need to have His life transforming us, changing us from within, inside, our deepest part of our soul, our spirit, our being. And so that change that happens inside will also go outside. In the way that we talk, in the way that we approach people, in the way that we deal with situations. So His life it can be our life. And this is what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen, he mentioned this word: "With unfailing faces, we are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another." Notice here, from one degree of glory to another. Another version says, "From increasing glory." You know when you realize the transformation that Jesus. Does in your life. And allows you to forgive those who offended you. You understand there is a glorious work in your life. That cannot be done by our own strength. Because for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And where there is the Spirit of God, there is freedom. This is what the Bible says. Taking the yoke will bring us so close to Jesus that will transform your heart. A.B. Simpson called that the deeper life in Christ. For sure there are many occasions, the lifetime of a believer, when acts of love and sacrifice are not appreciated, are not valued as we deserve. But when these occasions arise, we should relate that feeling that Jesus Christ had in his own life, the way that he felt, so we we can overcome those pain and hurts. Jesus is inviting us to take his own yoke. And then the other invitation is to learn. Learn from me. Jesus' invitations is to learn. I say at the beginning that little children have uh, the readiness to learn. They have malice to learn. And Jesus said, you must be like little children. Learn from me. Learn, learn. Jesus' yoke is a learning curve of obedience to his word. In Matthew 18, 15 to 17, and Luke 17, 3 to 5, Jesus established a procedure to be followed in an event where we receive offenses by other people around us, especially in the church. And you know, this is something that we must commit to do every time. There is no way of personal interpretation. We should obey that. God knows that we'll be offended. God knew that each one of us will go through moments where offense will hit our hearts. And because He knew in advance, He gave us a solution to the problem. Let's read this or examine these two passages. Remember that the final objective is to seek reconciliation with her brother and his restoration with his God. A right re- relationship with God. As Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says. But let's read Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 and 17. And then Luke 17 These are This is a well-known verse of the Bible. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be To you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now the same teaching in a different perspective is accounted by the gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 17 verse 3 to 5. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. You see, I don't know you, but every time I read the passage, I understand the mechanism. But the reality is that it's very difficult to practice what we understand here. We know that is the procedure, but we find a hard time to practice and apply it. And that's why I'm not surprised. Because even the apostles that were following Jesus, you know what they say? Lord, we cannot do this alone. Increase our faith. It's not easy, God. Many Christian scholars nevertheless say and believe that this is one of the most neglected doctrines of the Bible. And they say that if we apply these procedures, a lot of problems will disappear within the church. Let's examine a little bit better, deeper, in a deeper way. The steps of the offended person. If you receive an offense, what you need to do? The first is, if your brother sins against you. If, there is this little word, if. This is is a call to an assessment. To see if the brother sins against us, or we were maybe at the moment oversensitive. So that's why we must assess... If it is a sin or not. A sin is not something that we decide. Sin is the transgression of God's word. So what can be a sin to me? Maybe it's not a sin to you and vice versa. But when we go to the Bible and we look, then we have the answer. So if your brother sins against you, that's the first call. Then go and tell him his fault. Rebuke him, says Luke. Because we need to be honest. We need to be honest with ourselves and with the person that offended us. Because it's both untruthful and dangerous to not face the offense. We should approach our offender. And you know why? The Proverbs says in chapter 27 verse 5, Better is open rebuke that hidden Love. It's better to rebuke in love, in truth, as Paul will quote in Ephesians, to say things in love, but in truth, that make like nothing happened. Confronting the offensive behavior will keep the offender also accountable. When you don't approach the person that offended you, you are not protecting your brother that offended you. It's no more accountable. Because something that was done to you, most probably, the offender will do to another person. That's why we need to be able to approach the person and rebuke him. Then, the next step again, between you and him alone. This, of course, doesn't apply if you are in risk or danger of life. (laughs) You don't need to go with somebody that is ready to kill you. But then, when there is room to pursue it, we need to keep others out of it. Why? Because gossip and tellbearing are both still sinful before the Lord. And as we, we violate the privacy, may be a greater sin than the offense in itself. Because it multiplies within the body of Christ. You know the story. If you say hi, a person that will come after you will say a different word. At the end, that hi will become completely different. So, this happened many, many times because we don't respect the first initial step. And then the words are following If he hears you, if he listens to you, raise the issue of our responsibility to listen in both parties. Because if the person repents, then you have to accept that repentance and forgive. This is what the Bible says. You must forgive him. This is what Luke says, words of Jesus. So we have both the responsibility to be active listeners. Active listeners. Ideally, when there is repentance, a request of forgiveness, the situation should finish there. That's the way that we look to each other and we have victor over a sinful and painful situation. Jesus said, you have won your brother. You have gained your brother. Yes. It means that was lost. It means that a relationship was severed. But you now, because you went to rebuke him and he understood and he repented, then you have gained him. You have removed him from a sinful situation but then unfortunately not always this is the case and then what you do if your words are ignored take it the situation in God in prayer and then see the guidance of the Lord finding people that can help you to deal with this in verse 16 but if he does not listen take one or two others along with you That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's the procedure again. So what it means is that these two, three people that are together. There will be also a higher level of pressure for the person that offended you. To understand his own mistake. And again, if he repents, you have gained again your brother. But in the case it didn't follow through, then... Go and tell the church to the church. And of course it doesn't mean that we call the entire church. But it's the church leadership. Elders, pastors have the responsibility to deal with that. And eventually if the person still not repent. Before the evidence of facts. Then the fellowship as a brothers and sisters in Christ is no more there. It's broken definitively. And be the person like a Gentile, somebody that has nothing to do, a tax collector, a sinful person. Why? To preserve the integrity of the body of Christ. So these are the steps that Jesus is telling us. Again, keeping in mind reconciliation as the ultimate goal. But somebody could say this morning, Pastor, what I do... If I, I am the offender. If I recognize that I am the offender. If you are aware of any trespass you have committed against your brother. If you understood also that a person has the perception. Even if you in your mind they didn't have any intention to hurt that person. But if you have that perception that a person is offended by you. By your words or actions or deeds then you need to stop and go and reconcile the person. You see, there is the uh, opposite walk. If you feel offended, you go and reconcile. You rebuke the person. If you are the offender, go and approach the person. This is what the Bible says. Can we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24? The Word of God says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. We are called to attempt a reconciliation. Note that the scripture says if your brother has something against you. It's not you, but even the case that your brother has something against you. In other words, you might not feel that you have offended somebody. But again, as I said before, if there is the perception that a person was offended by you, you must stop to continue to pray and reconcile with the person. Why? Because this will break your relationship between you and God it will hindrance your spiritual life in your spiritual walk with God yeah. it is very clear don't be so rigid and self-righteous to think oh I'm okay I didn't mean to offend her if you know that somebody holds something against you you should do the first step you have the responsibility to do that Romans chapter 15 verse 1 to 3 says we are who are strong have an obligation. Look here, an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Not to please ourselves. The object is not revenge, not to please ourselves, but let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. To build him up. At the end of the process, we have to build him up. We have to lift. The condition of the person that feels offended or the person that offended us. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Offer then your sincere apology. I have no pretense here. I'm coming to you with my guard lower. Brother, sister... If you felt offended for what I say, please forgive me. I didn't mean it, but if you felt like that, I'm asking you to forgive me. When we feel that we have been wronged, let's apply those principles. If you offended somebody, whatever they pardon you or not, it's no more your responsibility. You have done your part. It's up to the Lord and to them to deal with their unforgiving spirit. But we need to do that because the enemy will try to destroy our spiritual life. And you know why he's trying to bring division between the brothers and sisters? Because there's so much strength when the people of Christ are together in unity. So the devil will do everything. It's not your friend. He will do everything. To keep you separated from other believers in different ways. So let me apply some conclusion. Let us come to Jesus to find rest. We cannot find rest outside Jesus Christ. Jesus said, All who are labor and heavily laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And let me tell you again spiritual rest is the result of a deeper, Relationship with Jesus Christ. Our emotional pain. Is our greatest opportunity. To testify. The love of the father. The holiness. Of the Holy Spirit. And the grace of Jesus Christ. In our lives. And then. Let us take Jesus. Yoke on us. Let's do it. Let's take it. It's not enough to know. We have to take it on us. Jesus Christ has a yoke prepared specifically for each one of us. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus' yoke is good and is light is because He has a special yoke for each one of us. He knows who we are. He knows if we are sensitive. He knows if we we don't care. Whenever there is a friction and turmoil between believers it may affect the whole body of Christ the testimony of the gospel can be jeopardized that's why we have to be careful because these things are grieving the holy spirit ephesians 4:30 32 says and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness And wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. So let's take Jesus' yoke on us and apply this procedure. And then let us learn from Jesus. Because gentle and lowly in heart. And this last steps is a process. Lord, make me more like you. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. The more we learn about Jesus Christ, the more we learn about all the Trinity working in our lives. Again, the love of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the grace of Jesus Christ will carry us through the moment When we feel offended, when we feel in pain, when we feel that we have been wronged. So the steps are very clear. Come, take, and learn. Will you respond to this invitation today? Are you willing to come, to take, and to learn? Can we all stand in God's presence?